0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to 2018's Suiting Up Podcast. That felt good. It's a show where I delve into the stories of some of today's leading athletes, entrepreneurs, entertainers, interviewing them and unpacking the psychology of their success. And I'm your host, Paul Rabel. I hope everyone enjoyed their holiday. And For the regular listeners of Suiting Up, you know we drop new episodes on Mondays. And with Christmas and New Year's falling on the start of the weeks, we decided to take some time. Two weeks and enjoy the break with family and friends, and plan to come back fresh with all new guests in the new year. And our last guest, New York Times bestselling author Ryan Holiday, left us with a lot to ponder, me specifically, and frankly gave me a ton of reflective energy heading into the new year. It also made me revisit a lot of our previous guests, tuning into some of their bits and pieces of advice, stuff that I've since incorporated in my daily routines, applications in business, sports, and more. This happened so much that to kick off 2018, I've decided to create a three-part series reflecting on core sharings from some of our 32 previous guests and distill them into three topics. Here they are, performance, leadership, and success and failure. And today, for the first part of our three-part series, we talk performance, highlighting Scott Galloway, Marie Smith, Venus Williams, Lyle Thompson, and Gary Vaynerchuk. What's been fascinating to me about Suiting Up Podcast, and in particular, every guest, is that they're all very much high performers. We know that. That's why they're in the position that they are. They're mechanical, methodical, thoughtful. They ration their time appropriately. They have very high emotional intelligence. But they carve out time for themselves and, in some cases, their family. But the common trait in all of them is that they know how to work really, really hard. And all of them, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, admit that there's no other way around working hard. And one of my favorite guests on the show was Scott Galloway where Scott, was self-admittedly, I might add, told me ahead of time that he doesn't care much for sports, although he's aware of what's going on because it's part of his job, most of which is forecasting trends in tech, retail, and advertising. He has a New York Times bestselling book called The Four where he talks about Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, which, as we know, there's a boatload of money also being sunk into sports advertising. Actually, I'll tell you how I'm booked Scott. His Twitter handle is active. It's engaging and often links to relevant material a crossover of of interesting stuff between entrepreneurship, social rights, tech, and talks about politics too. He goes by at Prof Galloway, at Prof Galloway because he's a professor at NYU Stern School of Business. You should follow him. I decided I was feeling at the time a bit in the zone as Stephen Kotler describes many athletes in the final moments of a game and decided to tweet at him. I said, Hey, at Prof Galloway, I'm a longtime follower, commenter and admirer. want to come on my show. I remember kind of laughing to myself as I called my buddy Tyler Steinhardt, who helped create Suiting Up, and I'll be damned, within the conversation of talking to Tyler, Scott Galloway tweeted back and said, sure, Paul, shoot me an email. Anyway, here's Scott Galloway on working really, really hard. There there seems to be a paradox, though, in, in creating a life for yourself as you envision as a hard worker competitor. Uh, And and you reference like, you know, life is about endurance. It's not, it's not the strong, it's those who are fast and who Mm -hmm. work really hard. And that limits your time to develop relationships. Mm -hmm. Do you advise some of your students at NYU or even those who work for you to do things like meditation Mm -hmm. or therapy or ways to, how can you be more efficient on Mm -hmm. that side, given the assumption that many of the um, uh, of the thoroughbreds are working their tails off mm-hmm. through their 20s and 30s.
1: So this is a tough one, and uh, I have a viewpoint on it, but I don't want to pretend that I, I'm, I've got a monopoly on what's right or true here. Clay Christensen, who's probably, I would argue, the most influential academic in the world now, the Harvard professor who kind of came up with the notion of disruptive strategy. He, he's um, got a really compelling wrap around how important it is through your whole career to continue to invest in your relationships. And then if you ignore the investment in those relationships, it comes up and it haunts you. My view is that balance in your 20s and 30s is a myth and that that we all know somebody who's great at what they do professionally, volunteers at the ASPCA and has a food blog. You should assume you are not that person. And if you're focused on economic security, which I think is is very important and I realize how crass that sounds uh, you should assume that the vast majority of your calories and hours waking hours in your 20s and 30s are going to go to work and to be great at something and I'm not saying that's good or good I'm just saying it is we live in a full body contact competitive economy where everyone wants a disproportionate share of their resources so you're only licensed or, or, or purchased to those additional resources that we all want. We all want an unfair, not all of us, most of us want an unfair share of those resources. You just got to work your ass off. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone very successful who hasn't, who A, doesn't have some talent, some level of talent, but that's not the differentiating feature. It's grit and working your ass off. So I have a lot of balance in my life now. Because I had none when I was in my twenties and thirties, or mm. you know, I, you know, I made sure to work out or stay somewhat physically fit. I did, you know, I took nice vacations, if you will, but I took vacations with clients. Mm. You know, when I was eating dinner, I was with clients. I was just always, if I was awake, I was thinking about work, and it takes a huge toll. It took a toll. I wasn't as healthy as I should have been. Uh, you know, my first marriage broke up. And, you know, I would say not mostly, but partially because of the stress of our careers. But I would argue it was worth it. And we don't like to talk about that. We like to pretend we live in this utopia where we can have balance and invest in our relationships. And I'd like to think that's true. That hasn't been my experience. My experience is that if you want economic security, there's going to have to be a 10 or 20 year period in your life where you're going to have to be very focused on work. Mm-hmm. And another area that you haven't
0: exactly qualified as a myth, but, but you're against the grain and, and to college grads, is like, don't follow your passion. Ben Horowitz talks a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but
1: why is that? So I think your job as a young person isn't to figure out what your passion is. If someone shows up as a luncheon speaker and tells you to follow the, your passion, it usually means they're already rich. And the person telling you to follow your passion got rich selling a SaaS company to a healthcare maintenance company. And the notion that somehow this guy or gal was passionate about healthcare software, it's just, okay, really? Uh, What they're passionate about is success, because the accoutrements and the psychological and economic benefits of being successful are intoxicating. And whatever you are good at, if it creates recognition, both psychologically and economically, you're going to become passionate about it. So... I don't think your job is to find your passion. And by the way, there is, there are the 1% of the population that can make a living playing basketball, that can make a living producing movies, right? I would have liked to have been an athlete. I just didn't have the skills. Well, you're a good rower. Uh, no, I was a marginal rower. I made, I was the wor- I, I, I rode at UCLA, but it was. I was easily the worst rower, probably the worst, worst rower in the program in, in history there. So, But... Uh, but it got me a job at Morgan Stanley with a 2.27 <laughs> GPA. So it, it, it was sort of a, a lose-win, a win for me, a lose for them. But, but if you, um, you know, if, if, if your job as someone in your 20s, find out what you're good at. And if you really are an amazing restaurateur, okay, fine. Then, then take a shot at it. But these passion areas, food, film, the arts, sports... If you're not in the top 0.1%, hmm. you're not going to make a great living. So the, the, the notion of fi- you want to find out what you're great at. Tax attorneys, I don't believe they're passionate about tax law. They're passionate about flying business class, hmm. class. They're passionate about building economic security for them and their families. They're passionate about the recognition they get that they're great at something. I didn't grow up thinking, wow, I'm just really excited about multivariate regression analysis looking at digital IQ of corporations. That wasn't... When I was eight, (laughs) I didn't dream of that, right? And I wake up on Monday mornings. I'm at a point in my life where I really like what I do. I don't differentiate between the weekend. But I'm not... I wouldn't say I'm passionate about... I can't... I'm going to the World Cup next summer with my kid. I can't wait for that, right? Right. So wouldn't it be great to figure out a way to make a living at the World Cup? My skills at UAF or whatever, I'm a talented guy. I could probably make eighty grand a year at some point there. But I can make more money and build more economic security doing what I'm doing. And I've become passionate about building companies and the rewards they offer. It's very exciting. So, yeah, sure, if you're one of the 0.1% that can make a living in your quote-unquote passion – more power to you, sister, and I hate discouraging people from that, but I think your job as a young person is to get credentialed, whether it's college or a Class 3 driver's license or a personal training certificate or a CPA or CFA. Our society values credentials and then find something you're good at and become committed to becoming the best in the world at it. Yeah. And When you're great at something, and I don't care what it is or how, how cool it sounds, If you're great at it, it's going to get really cool for you really fast.
0: Because you're a Suiting Up podcast listener, first time or many times, I've got you a deal for $25 in free clothes. Thank you to Bombfell. This is an easier way for men to get better clothes. You complete a simple questionnaire and then match one-to-one with a dedicated personal stylist. They never charge above retail price, offer free shipping and returns, have a convenient home try-on process and the ability to preview and edit your stylist picks before your order ships. Here's what I like about it. The process is fully personalized and every piece has been handpicked for me by my stylist after a little bit of an interview screening, saving folks like myself time from shopping and more importantly, my unsophisticated styling choices. Your stylist will email you, her, or his selections, after which you'll have 48 hours to make any changes or even cancel altogether. Personally, I go along with my bombfell stylist on t-shirts and pants, but that's just my style. And here's how it works. You go online, you sign up, you set up your order, get a great preview email, and you receive your clothing. It's pretty simple. And we negotiated with BombFell to get you $25 off your first purchase. Again, for $25 off your first purchase, BombFell. For all you men out there looking to add sophistication to your style, visit BombFell.com forward slash Rabel. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L.com forward slash Rabel. Thank you, BombFell. Open and close. This gentleman was an early guest and big name on the street right now as we close in on the Super Bowl. All the wild news surrounding the NFL, the forthcoming collective bargaining agreement, looming major TV deals that we often talk about on the show expiring a couple of years for the NFL at least, the impact of tech platforms bidding, bidding up those sports rights like Amazon and Facebook and Google, the early season NFL player protests that have garnered the, a ton of attention and frankly a lot of turbulence, starting with Donald Trump, the health and safety around concussions and CTE, among a suite of other things. D. Maurice Smith is the executive director of the NFLPA and head of Players, Inc. and One Team Collective. He's done a ton in the world of football. He's built an empire off of where I think the NFL has missed and the NBA has, frankly, made, which is the players. And rightfully so. D. knows the players are the gatekeepers to the success of the NFL, in the long term, at least. And and D&I discussed how an executive or even small business owner, or in many cases coaches, which often take on more pressure and responsibility than a Fortune 500 CEO, primarily because they don't have the additional resources and senior talent to delegate to. Coaches need to manage their time, day, or tasks. When in most cases we have a to-do list that we set each day, then never get to that to-do list because other shit comes up, distracts us, needs to get done immediately, you name it. Before I pass it on to Dee, I'll say that I'm far from figuring this one out. But I do a few things every morning that take priority, and I think it's important to set your priorities. They're like boundaries and relationships. So I wake up, I turn on the coffee maker, usually stretch my back and limbs, cook a small to mid-sized breakfast. If I'm in a pinch, sometimes I cheat sheet this, and we'll crack a few eggs into a cup and throw it in the microwave for about 20 seconds. Throw spinach, fruit, and protein in a blender with coconut milk, Because my blood sensitivity testing came back and said I should stay away from almonds and any lactate. So coconut milk or plant-based milk is for me right now. Anyway, if I'm tight on time. uh, From there, I'll meditate for 10 minutes before heading into training. And this accounts for most mornings. Then I get to the office by 1 p.m., give or take. And have a to-do list that I reference that gets pushed by an inundated email box and more important needs from Mike, Mick, Andrew, Neil, Stu, my dad, Alan. I suppose, inevitably, why most of my deep work gets done late at night or on weekends. Anyway, here's D, who's much more eloquent and articulate in the way that he thinks about his day running the NFLPA. One of my favorite CEOs is is Jeff Wiener of LinkedIn, and every day he blocks off, I believe it's something like 2 to 4 p.m. in the afternoon, Busy time for a CEO running a multi-billion-dollar company uh, for deep thinking.
2: Oh, I I try and to not allowed s- to walk into his office. A- absolutely, I try not to uh, answer emails after three o'clock. Hmm. So from three o'clock until the time I try to get home and be dad, hmm. that three to seven is just a period of time where I just try to stop returning phone calls, answering emails. Just try to think through the day. What kind of things do I need to in order just to engage in the process of analytics? Yep. Um, because that's the only time you get to do it. And if you don't, well, at least for me personally, two things happen. One, I, I think you lose a tremendous amount of um, opportunity yep. um, because it's at that, like you said, that busy part of the day mm-hmm. where, where you're on. I mean, yeah. you know, your brain's moving fast. You're processing a lot. So if you, if you wait for it to happen later, I think you lose the opportunity of that, that thought capital. Yeah. Um, and at least for me, if I don't do it, it, it's not so much a question of it not happening. It starts to happen for me at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. Yep. And then I'm a, just a mental basket case from yeah. 11 to like 2 a.m. What, what's your typical day like? I got to imagine
0: that- There's so much that can happen (laughs) in this building regularly. You mentioned the leadership and and delegating roles and responsibilities to your team,
2: and you have about 300 dudes out there who, eh, um, right? As we say, Twitter drives the day. Ton of fires. So it the morning is typically for me um, meeting with the senior leadership team here. So that's eight to ten people. Um, Monday is always a Monday morning staff meeting every day as I'm ch- checking in in the morning with those 10 people. Mm-hmm. Just what's on your plate? What's going on? How can I help? And that's literally it. How can I help? Mm. And, and a lot of time it's, do we have this? Just stay out of the way, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, it Usually it's about that 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock period of time that if there is what we affectionately refer to as drama, um, we're dealing with the drama. And And when I say drama... You know, we are in a world now where, um, hypothetically, let's use an example of one morning, a quarterback's wife says something about concussions. Right. Right? Right. (laughs) And and before you know it, your day is being driven by TMZ. Yeah. So it's not even being driven by ESPN. And that's a big agenda item of yours is safety. It's safety, right. So now you're dealing with an issue where, one— I love the fact that it's 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 a family member who is expressing concern about her husband. It has ramifications for how people are perceiving mm-hmm. not only the safety of the game, but the way in which I like our players to now be more in control uh, about empowering and, and being responsible for their own health care, to issues about the concussion protocol, to what the teams are supposed to report, yep. to how doctors are supposed to respond. But all of that is in a jumble of this news story that's literally breaking on fire. Right. Where, you know, there's few days where my day is driven by TMZ. Yeah. But no, so. That's possibly one of them. It's possibly one of them. And so, you know, the first response to it, I think, and, and sort of the elementary response is okay, how do you put the fire out? Right. I don't think about it that way. Hmm. I mean, this is a great opportunity for all of our members and all of their their significant others and 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 family members to probably what can we do as the PA to to comfort them about what resources we have available for their family members mm-hmm. so literally 2 days later i'm sorry 2 hours later i got a couple of calls from current players wives who had heard the story mm-hmm. and they had questions like hey if we're concerned about our husband what resources does the PA have to help us understand what's supposed to happen. Yeah. That's great. And great. so you want to respond to that. You've got issues where people are talking about, you know, whether did the team do X Y and Z. Well, you know what? Let's let's take a look. Yeah. Um so it, it's it's never just a it's never just a fire drill you know, for for me, it seems to me that the the only right way to look about these things is, okay, you're going to have to deal with some issues. How do we turn them into something where it's a positive, beneficial um, upside for the people that we represent? Thank you, Demarie Smith. And now here's more on performance.
0: So in the previous segment, I gave you a quick snapshot of my morning routine and rush breakfast. I think on another podcast, we'll talk about an unrushed breakfast and what that includes, which are all the macronutrients, I should say. Which is about thirty percent of my meal is protein, thirty percent carb, and then forty percent saturated fats. Get your macros in. More detail later. But I, I don't think a rush breakfast is too uncommon, at least among athletes, entrepreneurs and coaches. Many of us are trying to get our eight hours of required sleep. And in my case, toward the end of the year I had a little bit of a tailspin and was getting seven So I have about a 60-minute gap to close, and that often leaks over into breakfast, and that's why it's rushed anyway. The third guest ever on the Suiting Up podcast was Venus Williams, and she gave me some very sound tips as to how she's able to consume the right nutrition on the road, which is effectively the pro-tennis circuit, especially as a vegan, which she is, or at least she describes herself as a Cheegan, because of the stresses of travel and access to the right foods and high-performance needs in the way of protein, she does occasionally eat eggs. But I'll say there are few athletes with trained hygiene better than the Williams sisters. Honestly, if any, they've dominated their sport for two decades, two decades of winning major titles. I haven't been playing lacrosse for two decades. They've been performing at the highest level for 20 years. It's amazing. I'm also infatuated with tennis stars, though. They always seem to be on the cutting edge of technology for fitness, sleep performance, and like Venus, nutrition. Anyway, this was a great takeaway for me and one that I've since applied to my travels. You're effectively, you're, you're working through a day that's, that's managing three lives. Like most people have two lives where they're working on their nine to five job, as you mentioned, and then like your social life mm-hmm. and your personal life at home. and. You have your, as an athlete has their training and then their social life. And then you also have like your condensed nine to five, but your output is so, so great that, you know, not necessarily, my guess is you're not thinking as much about hours into the office, but your, but your team probably feels the output, um, in spades from you. So it's really interesting to hear eight hours of sleep is really important. What other type of like hacks do you have? Do you meditate Are you eating like five meals a day? You know, like where are you getting your sources of energy?
3: Yeah, meditating. I have a hard time sitting still. To me, I mean, I've heard a lot of people talk about meditating. I'm like, that seems like torture to sit still (laughs) and like be still. I'm like, why, God, why? So I haven't. I I can see the merits, but I haven't been able to Mm. acclimate to the meditation. You have have to grow as a person. Um, um, Eating is. I eat to live. I don't live to eat. So for me, like at tournaments, you're eating so much to fuel your body. And you're like eating and eating and eating. And when the tournament's over, I'm like, thank God I can take a break huh. from eating. So yeah. honestly, when I'm at home, a lot of the times I'm actually taking a break from the eating because it's a lot.
0: Yeah. And, and you found out fairly later in your career about this autoimmune disease. Is it Sjogren's? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you have since transitioned, I, I know you, you, you call your diet Cheegan, yeah. but you're basically like vegan and, and, uh, and, and there's some meats, it's primarily plant-based. So for me that is less sophisticated in nutrition, I, I kind of just like stay away from packaged goods and have that visual conscience of like, if I can identify the source of this, it's okay to eat. Mm-hmm. An example of something that's, that I can't identify is like a chip. You know, right? So I'll stay away from that like candy. Um, but uh, what is your how are you able to stay fueled for performance under this pretty strict diet?
3: Yeah, you have to work a little harder, and sometimes there's less options. So you have to really be prepared if you're going. To China, then perhaps you're bringing something with you. You know, traveling with protein powders and things like that. Yeah. And then sometimes you have to just get to the bare minimums. Just like eat some rice, eat a potato, eat yeah. some broccoli. It's not always fancy uh, right. when you're, especially when you're traveling. But uh, if you can achieve optimum health, then it's worth it.
0: Is is that a um, particular you know cheat strategy of yours, or something that? listeners can take away, or at least I will, that like travel with protein packs? Travel with
3: protein packs. Right? Like, <laughs> uh, is there
0: anything that like is your fallback that that has uh, that has helped you when you feel maybe malnourished?
3: Yeah, um, definitely traveling with protein. And a lot of times if I go different places overseas, I just buy a blender there. Like, yeah. just buy a blender, blend it in the morning in your hotel room, go for it after that. So, yeah. Yeah, it's easier than traveling with one and trying to figure out like all the different, you yeah. know, I feel electricals. Like it's,
0: I feel like that's good. It's a really nice market for blenders. You can purchase them for like 30 bucks.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: Just recently, I posted a picture on my Instagram page supporting women's rights, and it was received really well, which was important to us. And we've spoken with amazing female listeners of the show, as well as hosted great guests like Venus Williams, Angela Ruggiero, and Hillary Knight. And I wanted to deliver products and advertisers for our female listeners, equal to those products and services we offer to men. Welcome to FabFitFun, a seasonal subscription box for busy women to discover new brands and products for a life well-lived. FabFitFun delivers a box full of fashion, beauty, home, fitness, and wellness products, delivered four times a year for what's regular price at $49.99 a box, Stay tuned for our discount. Here's why FabFitFun is great. The products delivered come in full size. That avoids the quote-unquote samples game we often see from competitor subscription boxes. All the products are cutting edge in every category. You can either carefully choose from a menu online or be surprised. Many products whose individual value is often more than the entire cost of the box. And there's never any repeat products keeping you fresh and new all the time. Now, the FabFitFun box makes for a great gift, not only for yourself, but maybe that special woman in your life as well. And for shooting up podcast listeners, I've got a great deal for you. Try FabFitFun today by visiting FabFitFun.com. That's F-A-B-F-I-T-F-U-N.com. Subscribe and start getting the box for a life well lived. And you can use promo code Paul to get $10 off your first box. That's products valued at $200 for now only $39.99. Again, go to FabFitFun.com and use promo code Paul to get $10 off your first box. Now here's part of the performance aspect that we all tend to think of, and that's our actual fitness. So for you athletes out there looking for a good workout to add to your nutritional tips from Venus, daily planning from D. Smith, and work ethic from Prof. Galloway, one of our most downloaded episodes this year – Was with my pro lacrosse pal. He's a peer and top performer both indoor and outdoor, and his name is Lyle Thompson. Lyle's episode was especially great as we talked about a wide range of things, starting with his upbringing on the reservation, to not having had a goal to shoot on when he was growing up, yet getting creative with his older brothers, to choosing a college close to home and building a tight relationship with his coach that lives strong today, to his pro lacrosse fitness routines, which we're gonna cut to. And finishing with a conversation on Native American stereotyping and the unfair treatment from the current U.S. government regime, violations of standing treaties, and more. The episode is definitely worth a listen. That said, Lyle gave us a great treadmill workout. It sounded simple at first, but the lack of rest and recovery proves this thing out. Here's a side note. I was texting with a couple of my buddies, both all-pro lacrosse defenders and Team USA players Kyle Hartzell and Tucker Durkin. They run a business called the Defensive Academy. Both of them I share workouts with pretty regularly, and both are listeners to the show. So, hello, gentlemen. Also confirmed that this was quite a doozy of a workout. So, take out a notebook, or Evernote if you use that, or wherever you log workout suggestions. And like Tucker and Kyle did, here's Lyle on a pretty
4: badass treadmill workout. Every day I wake up, first thing I do is, you know, I... Get my step, my supplements together, yeah. and drop my kids off at school, and hit the hit the gym yeah. for about two hours. Some people say it's too long, but I like to stretch for a good forty-five minutes, yeah. which is important for our sport. Yeah. Um. So I stretch for a long time, and I warm down for a long. I I cool down for a long time. Yeah,
0: that's pretty insightful. As a younger guy, usually, you know, you, you wait till, or most athletes traditionally have waited till their late twenties or thirties when they're when they're less limber to say, oh man, I have to start stretching. Yeah. Before and after. So you're doing that now. What we'll gave you that foresight? You mentioned even stretching in college.
4: My dad Your was dad. was like, my dad's like a king at brainwashing you. <laughs> <laughs> so as a kid, he would tell us these like just the weirdest things. His I think there were his own theories. Yeah. But like he would tell us, well, his his big thing was stretching. Like, really? If you're flexible, you're fast. Huh. And He's right. So I always <laughs> kind of focused on. On stretching, I can't say my brothers did, but it was me and Jeremy who were always like, like we ran cross country, we did like a lot of running, me and Jeremy. So like that was one of our focus was being fast and staying fast. And my hips are bad, so like I hate that about it. So I want to make sure I'm flexible.
0: Yeah, I think most lacrosse players I've struggled with it. I've had surgery uh, in the sports hernia. Uh, Region, which is basically lower rectus, abdominal, and adductor muscle tears. Uh, Because our our hips tend to be tighter because we're running hard, straightforward in a linear way. We're also required to move left to right laterally and, and have great agility in our position specifically. And then the motion of like coiling up and out on a shot just puts a ton of stress on your hips. What I've learned too up and down the body is like, your your ankle mobility and and your the joints on your knee and the ligaments need to be flexible so they can absorb each step because if you're tight on your ankle and knee then all of the pressure goes to your hips and you're asking for too much of your hips
4: yeah but what else are you doing in in way of workout i mean the past i've been in the off season Mm -hmm. so me and my brother have been in kind of like a bodybuilding uh program yep so we've been doing a lot of heavy lifting Mm -hmm. um I'm coming into season now, so I'm gonna start going three three weightlifting a week, and and I'm a big I'm big on doing sprints, and like I don't want I have this attitude where like nobody's in better shape than me. So like I'm going into training camp for Georgia Swarm, and and I mean I'm convinced myself that nobody on the team is in better shape than I am. Yeah, and same thing in the in the MLL. Yeah, like. You got the whole everyone who's there. Yeah, it's a even guys coming, even even guys coming out of college. You know, but they're you play with Matt Abbott. You know, I <laughs> can you be in better shape than him? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I think. She's I, an think egg. I yeah, it's in my head. Like I think I could run longer than him. I can run up and down.
0: <laughs> now I remember growing up and and lacrosse being classified as an endurance sport. People used to prescribe running miles and miles and miles and then as we got smarter around the actual performance of our game it became more about sprints as you mentioned because you're rarely just jogging around the field if ever especially at the college level for the reasons you mentioned and now pro what type of sprints are you doing I've always been curious like take us through a specific routine because I'm trying to evolve more and change different things and use different strategies
4: yeah so I mean, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'll go to a track and I'll legit just run sprints as far as, you know, 100-yard sprints, 60-yard sprints, 40-yard sprints, and I'll do like six of each of those. Yep. And um, even if I'm at a gym where my gym doesn't have a big space to do sprints, I jump on a treadmill, go full inclined, full speed, and I'll do 10 sets of 30-second sprints, rest for 30, once the minute... Top of the minute every top of the minute and mm-hmm. I hit a sprint. Um, and I think I do that before season. Mm-hmm. I mean I do it kinda all year round, but during season just because I feel like that's what box lacrosse is. It's like thirty seconds of just hard running. And then, 30 and seconds then you're off. off and thirty seconds on. So I kinda train for my seasons mm-hmm. as far as like you know, the N L L and the M L L
0: Wow. Today's episode has been a lot of fun to narrate. And it's been packed with content. Hopefully, you've enjoyed it. And here's the final clip, which comes from none other than Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk. And it's advice for all you young athletes, coaches, entrepreneurs. Actually, check that. No matter the age or the experience, this advice is for all athletes, coaches, and entrepreneurs, especially if you're like me, you know, on occasion, you need a good kick in the ass. You know, Gary has a way about himself. He knows how to motivate. I'll say that. I'll also say that there's a lot to be said for grit, which is often the word I think of when I think about GB. A favorite read of mine comes from Angela Duckworth, who's kind of coined by virtue of her book called Grit. She says it's the power of passion meeting perseverance. And she goes deep into this notion, supported by plenty of data in the book and real-life corroboration. I suggest you read it if you haven't. Gary and I talked about something slightly different, though, and that is going against the grain. And often we think about going against the grain meaning doing something obtuse or illegal or suspect, unproven. Another person I subscribe to regularly is Seth Godin. He'll tell you in today's world of modern technology and advanced shortcuts, against the grain is actually attention to detail or doing the little things. It's not building a company for scale. It's building a company for a product that's, that can sustain. I think about Ryan Holiday, who I started this show with in the intro, and his book called The Perennial Seller. Can you create something that's sustainable generation to generation or generational agnostic? It's all fascinating stuff. Anyway, Gary has his way about thinking differently or out of the box, let's call it. He's going to close today's podcast on high performance tips from our 2017 guest. Take it away, GB.
5: In a couple of months from this recording, I will have my fifth New York Times best-selling book. I promise you. Every one of my English teachers that know that I, <laughs> my man, Well, listen, just so everybody understands, I want to make sure everybody understands. I can't spell. Did I know in fifth grade that the internet would come along? No. Did I know that autocorrect was going to be a feature on this internet? Who needs to spell? You don't need to. I spell things on purpose wrong yes. that I need to, sp- I sp- how many people listening it's quicker right now to just spell misspell wrong. things on purpose because yeah. it's quicker to type right. it that way and autocorrect than just, sp- like, right. did I know that information, guys, school, memorize information, regurgitate information. Now, if you want to know anything, hey Siri, Who's the 18th president of the United States? Okay, give me a moment. Ulysses Grant. Like, like, you know. the 18th president of the United States? did yeah. Did I know? You didn't even have to unlock it. Did your your I phone. know that 20 years ago some technology would come along that would commoditize everything that all my friends popped pills, stressed about, tried to garner to be something? No, I did not. You know what I knew? I knew I knew who I was, and I had a funny feeling, a deep young intuition, that if I made that dramatically better, that that was going to be way better than me slightly making better all the other shit. And and now, by the way, if you're listening and you're the reverse of me, you're a math whiz, you're type A, do not try to become charismatic. Do not try to learn how to, become the best fucking that.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, which was part one of three in my new series, at least piling this out right now of reflections from some of the best moments of the 2017 guest working title, obviously, please be sure to let me know and we can have that conversation on social media. I prefer Twitter with my Suiting Up guests and you. My handle's at Paul Rabel. I have close to 100% response rate to anything having to do with the pod We've got a strong running list of 2018 interviews that we'll pick right up right here in a few Mondays. I'm really excited about those, some of which we've already recorded. Also, tweet at me with any athlete, entertainer, author, or entrepreneur suggestions. I love hearing them, and I especially get energized around blind outreach. So it's kind of like a quirk of mine, but it's something that I get really excited about, meeting new people and then hosting them on the show as a product of doing such. Be the first to listen to next week's episode, which is part two of my 2017 musings next Monday, as well as catch up on previous episodes, including my one-on-one conversations with each of the highlighted guests from today. All these episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your pods. Actually, funny story, my mom just got that new Amazon Alexa with the screen for the holidays. And for the first time, because she's so excited about it, she's using voice command software. She downloaded my pod, subscribed to it. Thank you, Amazon Alexa. Uh, If you're not my mom and haven't subscribed, please subscribe to the show. It means a lot. Thank you. Shortcut to our show notes, suitinguppodcast.com. There's a lot of info there on previous guests, and some of our show notes are pretty robust. I'm looking forward to next week's episode, coalescing great previous guest content, and the topic is leadership.